Well, hello everyone. It's time for another round of announcement. Uh, hello everyone. It's time for another round of announcements here at the church before service. These are super important, so pay attention. Okay, paying attention, watching me, watching the screen. Good. Okay. Hey, coming up this Wednesday is our next jam night. Uh, I invite all of our musicians and singers and anybody who likes worship to come, and we sing a few worship songs together. Uh, it's a great time. It's only about an hour. That's going to be this Wednesday, August 16th at 6.30 p.m. So bring whatever instrument you got, sing along, join us that evening here in the auditorium here at church. Also coming up this month, August 25th, it's a Friday at 6.30 p.m. We're showing the Sound of Freedom movie. Uh, it was a great movie. Uh, lots of uh, positive feedback on it. It's really not for kids, so don't bring them to that. We suggest not, but it's up to you. And it's also a ticketed event. You can purchase your tickets for that movie uh, on our church app. It's not expensive, and we promise the popcorn will be free as well. So uh, get that uh, ticket if you want to go, and that's going to be August 25th here at the church, 6.30 p.m. Keep downloading our main church app and our PostScript app as well. The links for that's on our main app, so uh, you can go there and get it. Yeah, it's kind of all the announcements I have for now. Let's do it together. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Everybody online, welcome. Getting ready to hop in here. And we've had a great morning of worship already. Looking forward to spending this time with you. Then we're back into our series, Sword Sharpening, Part 12. We're looking from Acts through most of Revelation and uh, some really interesting stuff we want to talk about. So get your Bibles and get a coffee and get comfortable and get ready because here we go. Woo! Good morning, family. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. We are looking forward to spending time with you all in worship. And in the word, I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do in case you don't know the flow. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them all off to their myriad Sunday school classrooms. And then we will have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We're in sword sharpening part 12, and it is chock full of good stuff, guys. It was super interesting, and I'm kind of want to listen again because I missed last night. So I only had it once and I like to get it. Anyways, before we do any of that, let's pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, this morning, we're gathered in this place for you. We're here to celebrate your goodness. Proclaim your faithfulness. Praise you for your loving kindness. And as we settle your throne this morning. Papa, we have a spirit of expectation. We can't wait to see what you're going to do, what you're going to stir up in our hearts, in our lives.
continue to spur us on in those family attributes. Empower us to love lost kids back into your family, Papa. You are so, so good to us. And we love you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, let your merciful ears be open to the prayers of your people. And in order that we may obtain our requests, teach us to pray for those things that please you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. The same manner he took the cup was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship. And I always try to encourage us all to sing out, to lift our voices, to participate as we praise the Lord here in this place today. He is worthy of our praise, so we will worship him today. We're going to see the words on the screen so you can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Let's make way for the King of Heaven.
song of heaven rise up, rise up. Join the song of heaven rise up, rise up. It's the song of heaven rise up, rise up.
what do you need this morning? The King of kings and Lord of lords is here. He's here. He's here. What do you need? What do you need? He's here.
I don't want to just come to church. I want an encounter with you. I want to see your face and hear your voice. I want to give you my heart. I want a fresh surrender right here, right now. You're here. You're here. What do you want? He's 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 here. Just ask him. Just ask him.
coming after me. <laughs> There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't. Ha, coming after me. Whoa. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. To me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. so, so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. 
And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You're so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. So happy to see you all. Today's story comes to us from different Gospels, but I'm doing it from Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, okay? You ready? Okay, so we find that Jesus, right, is traveling, and as he's traveling, he's making his way towards Jerusalem. That, hi, that is the end game, okay? And... As he's traveling, he's stopping in different towns and villages, and he's teaching them. And one of the people there in one of the villages, they ask Jesus a question. They say, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And Jesus responds to him with our Bible verse from Luke 13, 24. He tells them, do all you can to go in by the narrow door. A lot of people will try to get in, but will not be able to. Yeah. He says no one gets in because of the family they are born into or because of their good works, right? Salvation is through Jesus and Jesus alone. He tells them, right? And then he says to them, some people will think that they deserve to go to heaven or to enter God's kingdom because they knew about Jesus and they listened to him. But Jesus said, I will say to them, I don't know you. People must repent. That means turn away from their sin, right? And trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior for them to be rescued from their sin, right? Yeah. And these teachings were very hard for people to hear. But Jesus said, when the kingdom of heaven is shut out, it's, it's closed no more, right? A lot of people, everyone who is shut out of it will weep and they will be sorry, right? Yeah, very important. And guess what? As he was talking to them, some religious leaders came and they said to him, Jesus, you got to leave this area because Herod wants to kill you, right? And then Jesus says, you tell Herod that I am working. In three days, I will be done, right? Then Jesus goes towards Jerusalem, and when he sees Jerusalem, he starts to weep. He starts to cry for it because he knows that he will be rejected there and that he will be killed there. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? I long to help and protect your people like a hen gathers its chicks under its wings, but you wouldn't let me, right? I hope that you let the Lord, right, take you under his wings. And all it takes is for you to say yes to Jesus, right? Right? Cool. Good job. Yes, good. Good. Yes. Yes, and guess what, guys? Everyone is invited to enter into God's kingdom, but not everyone will, right? People who choose Jesus will, right? 
And Jesus said, but he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. Isn't that good stuff? Yeah, awesome. Are you guys ready to say the Bible verse with me? Okay, repeat after me. Luke 13, 24. Excellent work. Do all you can. Do all you can. To go in. <clears throat> sorry. By the narrow door. By the narrow door. A lot of people. Will try to get in. try to get in. But will not be able to. Good job, guys. There you go, big guy. You want stickers? Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Pastor Georgina will pray for them in just a moment. Before that happens, would you, uh, would you children help me sing happy birthday to somebody? It is actually Pastor Alice's birthday. So we're going to sing her happy birthday. Are you ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nana. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy birthday. You know, it's, it's Alice is going to be years old today. No, 32, 32. <laughs> no, double that. Yeah. I, got, I did get a sticker. You deserve a sticker, right? All right, you guys ready? We're going to pray, okay? So we're going to talk to the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, that you've made it easy for us to know how to enter God's kingdom, how to be part of your family, Lord God. I pray that the little ones will understand this truth deeper, Lord God, that they are to repent, turn from their sins, Lord God, and trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, what do we say, boys and girls? Good job. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us today. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to be with you there, however that works. And uh, <laughs> exciting that they've been, we actually are streaming now in 4K. Yes. Uh, and they've been working really hard for that. And it's, I, it's like bathrooms at Bucky's. Do you have to do it? No. <laughs> but if you want to do it right, press in and do it right. And so He's not over the whole Bucky's. I'm still the whole yeah. big Bucky's fan. I want to go back and going to make that my next destination stop. <laughs> raise your... Okay. Okay. You raise, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code is for you. Point your smart device at it. You'll get a link to our digital connect card name, phone number, email address. Fill that out for us. We'll send you texts and emails pretty regularly for four or five weeks. And then it drops way off. So don't think it happens forever. Um, but we'd love for you to do that. We also have gifts for you back at guest services. First-time guests uh, go back and get one. If you didn't get one on the way in, we'd love for you to have one on the way out. We also, when we gather, we pray for our neighbors. This is so important. Uh, I, I, it reinforces what we ask you to do every day. Pray for the people that live around you. I am convinced that's the most effective, powerful ministry that all of us will ever have. 
Pray for those people that live right around you and do it every day. So think about a couple of them right now. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move into their lives in mighty, mighty ways. That you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. And amen. Keep it up. Lots of good stuff happening. We're in a series called Sword. 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 <laughs> Don't pronounce the W. No, but I had an H in there. It was Sword. Sword. Yeah. Sword sharpening. <laughs> And this is all about making the most out of your time with the Bible. And my hope really is that at some point in this series, that something sort of ignites in you and you really look forward to reading the Bible and uh, and that you get excited over what God can do in it and through it. So anyway, we'll keep pressing in and talking more about that. I've got a lot more stuff to talk about. This week, we should probably get right to the jokes and then you can pray for us and lead us in the reading of the Word. That's good. It was a Roman emperor. We're talking about a Roman emperor later. There was one, though, uh, who never aged after he turned 19. Yeah, his name was Constantine. 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 Yeah. Wow. We were at the... Uh, my son and two of my grandsons and I went to uh, the preseason Dolphin Games Friday, which was a blast. You know, I, I used to take my son when he was little. I used to go back when it was the, you know, Orange Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, 10, 11, to, we lived in South Florida for a while then. And then when Douglas was about that age, I took him, and now he's taking his sons, which is cool, and they invited me along. And there's a lot I could go into there because, you know, it's, you sit, I mean, like I'm sitting in the passenger seat now. Everything has changed, right? <laughs> but while I was there, I was fascinated about how everybody's on their mo- phones while they're in the at this game. And that, you know, 50 years ago, obviously that didn't happen. And even when I was taking Doug, you think we might have had a phone, but you, you didn't hang on it. And people were on it. And there was a uh, young woman, a couple of rows in front of us sitting there. I've never seen anybody text that fast, that it would catch my attention because she was literally flying through and sending multiple emojis and screening like this, you know, and I could kind of see it from, you know, my eyes not great, but and she's there with her dad and she's talking to him and still sending texts. I don't know, how is that even possible? I had no idea what a message would say if I wasn't staring at it going like this. Because I don't trust the autocorrect because you never know what that's going to do for you. And as a pastor, you have to be careful. because <laughs> You'd rather be known for bad spelling. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. anyway. You know what Douglas... An older would... parent texts their son. And they're trying to get into this texting saying, Hi, son, what do IDK, LY, and TTYL mean? And the son texts back, I don't know, love you, talk to you later. And the parent replies, oh, that's okay, don't worry about it, I'll ask your sister, love you too. That's not bad. You know what Douglas says about you noticing other people, younger people, how quick they text. I'm a boomer. Yeah, boomer. I'm not doing that one either. Please. Okay. All right. I'm going to leave on a high note, kind of. Oh, all right. You think so, huh? (laughs) Would you pray for us and lead us in the reading of the word, please? I'm going to give it a shot. All right. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray for a second. Hmm. Papa. Thank you for meeting us in worship, for touching our hearts and stirring us up. Father, let let us become even more salty, Lord. You said that we are the salt of the earth. 
And salt enhances what's naturally there. So, Papa, make us salty today. Let your light shine through us. You said we were the light of the world. Let your light shine through us brightly today, that those around us may be warmed and encouraged. Thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please, for the reading of the word? Text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. Okay, so what we're doing in this part of the series is uh, trying to break the storyline of the Bible into eight sections so that you can remember them. And with each section, I'm giving you a few points that I, I think if you work at it, you can easily remember, and it will help you tie the story together. Because when the whole story is tied together, when you read the Bible, things make sense that might not otherwise, because we have some context and the context of the story is really important. So, uh, and we'll do more review on this in a couple of weeks, but we've talked about kingdom revealed, and that was the first couple of chapters of Genesis, and the big thing there was temple, the idea of temple, and a temp- the, it was the presence of, uh, you know, the divine realm and the earthly realm connecting. And that's what, that theme runs throughout the scripture, all right? We've seen it over and over again. And then we, we did Kingdom Rebellion, which is sort of Genesis 3 through 11. Uh, and there you see that some of the spiritual family, the divine family rebels, and all of the human family rebels, and it causes lots of problems that play out in the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. God never gives up on us, though, and uh, we have uh, Kingdom Covenant, was what we talked about next, picks up in Genesis 12, runs through the end of Genesis, and it's mostly about God's promise through the patriarchs that Jesus is going to come and rescue us. Then we talked about kingdom foreshadowed, which picks up in Exodus and runs through about the end of Second Kings. Uh, and then we were in kingdom coming, where uh, that picks up there sort of in the Chronicles and runs all the way through the prophets. And in each section, there are two or three very important things that you need to grasp. As I said, I don't want to review them all now or I'll never get what I got to get to today. But we will in the next couple of weeks. But go back, watch messages, and make sure you know the main points. Last week we were at Kingdom uh, Incarnate. And that's where Jesus arrives on the scene, as the prophets foretold. And he was the returning presence of God that they'd been waiting for that hadn't happened, even though they rebuilt the temple. And we found out he was the tabernacle Jesus. He, you know, he tabernacled among us. He was the temple, fully God, fully man. A picture of that heaven and earth sort of connection that we were looking for. And uh, um, we also talked about 
last week the importance of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And all of that was covered in those first four Gospels. Well, today's section we're calling Kingdom Tension. And this sort of runs from Acts, the book of Acts, through a big chunk of Revelation. So that's a lot of Bible. And obviously I can't, uh, I can't get into it in depth right now, but I want to give you a few things to remember that will help you sort of hold this in the context of the bigger story. And those three things are the now and the not yet, the idea of temple, once again, because it's throughout the Bible and is really important, and one more. And one more is, uh, is our mission statement. It's a condensed version of our mission as a church. It's, uh, it's actually one more lost child back to dad. That's at the heart of everything we do as a church. We're trying to make friends for Jesus. We want to see people come into relationship with God. And so everything that we do, uh, all the outreach and the way that we structure things are all passed through that sort of filter. That's a pretty big filter because you can do a lot of things for one more. But it's important that that stays at the heart of what we do because we're people of mission and we're in this uh, tension between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And, and so another way to understand that, is we call that the now and the not yet. Let me say I have done multiple series about this idea over the years. So I'm just going to kind of touch on it briefly. But if you have questions, you can, there's series everywhere on the kingdom of God. And we talked about the kingdom of God quite a bit in the last series, as I remember. Remember when you see kingdom of God in the scripture, don't think of it as a geographical place. They're not talking about heaven. They're talking about the rule and reign of God. God's authority. God godding is another way I've said it. That's, that's what's happening there. And so when Jesus comes and says the kingdom is here, what's here? Well, God's rule and reign, his authority is being inaugurated and introduced into the world once again. Where did he get messed up? Back at the fall. You've got that context of story now. Jesus comes and he inaugurates the kingdom when he arrives and when he goes to the cross, defeats death and rises again. The kingdom is here. The thing is, it's not fully here. Uh, That's going to happen when he returns. But the kingdom is here in a very real way. And, And what we struggle with often as people is we don't like to live in tension, especially in our culture. We're not good with tension. For, for most of us, it's either this way or it's this way. And, and yet we're, we live between two tensions. And if you don't grasp it, you miss a lot of what God is doing because you go to extremes where he's not. Either you think, well, because of what Jesus has done, then everything that's in there is already available and, and then you're disappointed because it just doesn't work that way. Or you go to the other extreme because you're disappointed by that. Well, nothing is available. Neither is true. It's here in part. And this is really where, where we ground our faith. What, when we're praying and asking God to move and to do things and to touch people and to heal and looking for miracles and all that stuff, which we do, what we're basically saying is, Lord, when you come back, you're going to do all this anyway. By faith, would you do it now? And he breaks in all the time. Not every time that we want to. I just doesn't know how he's God. He's sovereign. I don't know everything. But I do know that he does it often enough that we're continually asking him to press into the moment. And this is the idea of tension that we live in. The kingdom is here. Jesus said, the time has come. He said, the God, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God has come near. It's here. Repent and believe the good news. Uh, he was telling the people that he was coming to that Messiah was there. It just wasn't what they had been looking for. Remember, I've told you this over and over again. They wanted Messiah to come and deliver them from the Romans. 
like a military leader. And Jesus had a bigger work to do. He's going to defeat, instead of the Romans, he's going to defeat the power of sin and the power of death when he comes the first time, which is much better for us. And so that's what he needed to do, and that's what he did. He did that at the cross. We talked about that last week and in the resurrection. So the kingdom is here, but not fully here. And and so it sets up for Jesus to come to rescue the world, uh, and that's that's a big part of what we're doing now in this tension, which goes back to the covenant that he made in Genesis. I will make you, talking to Abraham, into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a bless- blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's what Jesus is coming to do, to make a way for us to be reconciled. And now, in the story, as you remember, remember what happened was that uh, at the Tower of Babel, right, those 70 nations, God finally said, okay, you don't want me, I'm going to put you under the authority of these little E Elohim. And the 70 nations went on their way, and the little Elohim all were corrupted, and they're behind all of the big mess that we have. But God said, I'm going to keep one nation for myself, that's Israel. And through that nation, even though they're a big mess too, and we've looked at that, uh, through that nation there's going to be a way for everyone to be rescued. And that's all happening in Jesus, who sort of comes as like the, the perfect Israel, if you would. He's the one who does and fulfills all of the promises. So uh, the, the people were to uh, understand that Jesus was doing a greater work, a deeper work, and is happening in these two sort of ages, all right? And we live between the two, between the first and the second coming of Jesus. But no, he's returned. Jesus has come. That's a big deal. And uh, he's provided our exodus. We've been rescued from the power of sin and death. And and now we're to partner with him. It goes back to our original vocation. We're partnering with God to make a difference here on the planet. He's forgiven us, and he's promised he's coming back to make all things new. So we know that. But how do we live between the ages? How do we live in this tension? Well, we're to live as new creation people already, because you already are. Because if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what's happened is you, you, Holy Spirit comes and you are now, you've started your eternal life. You're not waiting for your eternal life. It's already begun. Somehow, miraculously, God has already begun the work in you. At some point, this tent will fade and you'll get a better one that will never fade again. I don't want to dwell there. I don't have time. I get excited about that though. And, and, but you, you are you. This is what's happening, and we'll talk more next week, because the, the story is much better than most people have settled on, but I don't want to, that's next week, you'll have to come back for that. But we live as new creation people now, and, and I said it primarily because we have Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now, this is worth pondering regularly, and I wonder all, all the time, because every time I stop and think about it, I'm in awe once again. So Holy Spirit dwells in you. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God comes and lives inside us. And we are now a picture of temple because we're the place where heaven and earth connect because he connects in you. You have this connection. And, and Paul will talk about this. He says it here, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? You're that connection point and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. God dwells in you. I, I just think that we can't fully take this in because it's too much. Our brains can't wrap around the fact that, that, so you get taste of it. I, from time to time, I go, ooh. And I always think about how the scripture says that Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, what's to come. 
And this is where I always go, if because a deposit is part of something. You've all put deposits on things, right? It's a little part of something, guaranteeing the rest of it. If Holy Spirit, if God living inside of you is somehow a deposit on what's coming, what's coming? Wow. And I've said, like I said, we settled for a story that's not as... Uh, it's, uh, you'll get it next week. We'll make those connections, and I'll tell you why sometimes we haven't gotten them. But, but so individually, we're the temple, and as a church, corporately, we're the temple, because Paul changes the language here, and now he's saying the same thing, but he's saying about the church corporately. So individually, if you're a believer, you have Holy Spirit, and then corporately, we have Holy Spirit. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. So, so we have this thing happening as the church, because remember, you're the church. So you... Because we use the wording all the time, well, well let's go to church. But, but then we start thinking that this building is the church, right? It's not. This is the facility the church meets at. You're the church. Right now we're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church. You're just the church out there. Nothing has changed other than you're not at the facility. And in that picture is this idea of us taking the Lord with us everywhere we go. This, we're sort of the portable presence of the Lord. Not limited any longer to a tent and a, and a building, but now able to go, which is what the heart of God was from the beginning. And, and this is sort of the idea happening when Paul says this in Ephesians, and now you can start connecting some of these amazing dots. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. You're part of the family of God. Remember, family is big to God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, all the stuff that we've been talking about. With Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to what? Become a holy temple in the Lord. A temple no longer bound by geography, right? It's everywhere we are. And that's what we're to do. We're a people of mission. We go, and wherever we go, the Lord is with us. And we're to be about the business, our mission, the idea of one more, is we're just trying to make some friends for Jesus. That's at the heart of it. That's easier to remember. And and sometimes I think the church does that okay, and sometimes I think they've done terrible at it. That the church has made enemies for Jesus instead of friends. And, and I think, you know, we have to make sure we're pressing in and that that's our heart is that we, this is what we do. We are restored to our original vocation, uh, which was to partner with God to make a difference on the planet. And this was the idea behind the passages that Alice read earlier in the scripture reading. We're to be the salt of the earth. Salt, is, it adds flavor, it's seasoning, it's a preservative. And that's what we're to do. And, and it connects us back into that idea of being the imagers of God in the beginning of the story. We're his representatives, Exodus 19. Uh, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then he goes on to give them the words to speak. Peter grabs that and brings it into us. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. He's talking about you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Light. And, and, and so that ties into the, where the light of the world as well. People are, are supposed to be able to see God as they, as we hang out with them. That, that we're to bring this amazing light. He's the light. We, we carry that into the world. Isaiah 49. Back to the prophets. Uh, the Lord says he will form me in the womb. 
uh, servant to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord. My God has been my strength. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept? Listen, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. See, it's this rescue that he's always had in mind when all those nations were sort of pushed out, but there's always been a plan in place to restore them because God wants them back. He wants us all in relationship with him. And so that's what we do. We're, we're called to be his family, his special people, and, and understand that God actually wants to bless people through you. That, that changes the way that we live. That, that we have this idea of this new creation we'll talk more about is happening already in us and we represent new creation, which is why so many things matter in what's going on. But more about that next week. I do want to talk about this. And uh, this is point three. And it's about the book of Revelation. Because this is a big chunk of scripture, right? To go from Acts to Revelation, obviously. I mean, and I, my question is um, for you, and you don't need to answer this, it's a silent answer. When you... When you've looked at Revelation, is it fearful or hopeful? And the problem has been that for many people it's fearful uh, and it shouldn't be. There's something not, if you're reading in a way that makes you fearful, then, then I'm going to suggest we need to read it through a different lens because Revelation is extremely hopeful. And hold this in context as we, as we talk about this. Why? Well, I, t- I tell you that fear is one of the fallback tricks of the enemy, right? Fear and greed. It's the opposite of love and faith. And it's what the enemy uses. And if, if you can get pulled into something fearfully, it usually helps someone else in their greed because then they're going to try and somehow get you and do things that you wouldn't normally do. And this is ongoing. This has been this way for a very long time. And the book of Revelation uh, has been read in such a way that it often allows that to happen, that people can come and say, well, this is what's happening, and you can see it here in the book of Revelation. So let me, I, and I want to be careful, because I, when, I, when I say things like this, I get that there are different lenses to look at the book with. So I'm not saying that you're wrong if we don't agree. I'm just saying maybe consider a different lens. And in that, let me give you two sort of ideas. Primarily, in our Western culture and the church over the last hundred years, they, uh, we have tended to look at Revelation like it's a crystal ball, like it's telling us about things that are going to happen that haven't happened yet, and, and that that's what was happening. Uh, and I would suggest that it's far more of an x-ray. It was written in the first century to first century readers, and it would have made sense to them about events that were taking place at the time, and that it's very possible hang on, that most of Revelation has already happened. We're waiting on the last few chapters. Now that might be something you really got to think about. It's okay. And you're, please, if you don't agree with me, that's fine, right? Don't hate me. (laughs) It's okay. We're reading the scripture. But ponder it, that a lot of it has happened. And let me sort of give you a quick example, and you can just kind of look through this one. Because Revelation's hopeful. And the last two chapters of Revelation are the, we're going to be there next week, they are like the best. I, I mean, it's my favorite part of the book. And, and there's stuff in there. And you look at and, and I'll talk about it. And people look at me like I've lost my mind. 
Because they haven't got there. Why? Because the, the other parts of Revelation freaked them out. They didn't read it. And people used it to scare them. And ooh, so they've never read how good the end is. The end of our story is so much better than most believers know that it, 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 they kind of struggle even taking it in. Because they haven't figured out how new creation fits. They're stuck at a different spot. And it's like, oh, okay. That's next week. <laughs> Let me get through this. So here's a, here's a passage that uh, most people have a little struggle with. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads. For they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and that number is 666. Most of you have... I guarantee that's come up at some point. 666 was in movies even when I was a kid before I knew the Lord. And no, it's the mark of the beast. It's Okay, so what if I told you that over the last hundred years, this pops up at least every decade, usually by the church or parts of the church that say, well, this is definitely it, that that the, the beast is some sort of institution and that you have to take this mark in order to survive. And when it happens, it's the end of the world. Back in the 30s, so I'm just going back. This is not quite 100 years. Back in the 30s, there was a little thing that got introduced called Social Security. The church fought it, parts of the church, and said that FDR's administration, that was the beast, and the mark is the Social Security number. And so lots of... Can you... Now, I, I don't know about you. I'm only 62. But when I'm 67, I'm still hoping it's around. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, hello. But it wasn't. But the, I, it was a huge turmoil back in the 30s. That's, oh, that's it. That's the beast. That's the mark. There you go. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, this is fascinating, and, and a lot of you may not have heard this, but the, the beast, the institution, was um, the phone companies, the big ones. That, uh, and it was because the people that didn't live in cities were convinced that this was the big takeover by these corporate giants who were going to change everything. Guess what the mark was? Your three-digit area code. You don't have a trouble with area code. Now we don't even think about them, right? Other than they're on, if you live in a place that's famous, you get an area code. But for the most of us, we, they don't even match anymore. But it was a big deal. In, in the uh, 60s and 70s, probably more like the 70s, it was credit cards. Now, some of you may or may not remember, but there was a big thing. Oh, that's the mark of the beast. That could be because now they got you and it's a number and oh, this is all. This is, oh, this is the end. This is the deal. And most of us still. Uh, how about in the 80s? You know what it was? Barcodes. Some of you now should be checking in and remember there was a huge stink about barcodes because of the way there was groupings of three things and now they get, and all this came it's the mark of the beast it's a, in the 90s it was computers and internet oh that's it that's the institution and they've got you in the 2000s most of you remember this it was chip technology and that's how they're going to do it the RFID they've got you forever that's the mark don't take it and that's very that's been very prevalent still is there's been more recent ones I don't want to get into but uh, they're everywhere. Whenever you hear someone going back to that, it's a fear tactic. And be careful, because so far we haven't got it right. I'll tell you why I think we haven't got it right. It's because it's primarily an x-ray of something that's already happened in history. And that 
the writing at the time, um, there was a very well-known Hebrew code that took numbers and letters so that you could understand what's going on. And, and in effect, what it was saying was, listen, church, do not cozy up to the Romans. Don't, don't, you don't want to get like every other pagan religion and start to worship Rome and, and, you know, the, the Caesar of the time who claimed to be God because that, that will corrupt you and it will, you'll lose your salt and your light. You won't be like, you'll be, you'll be just the same. You won't be different from anybody else. And that 666 works out to Nero, who was this Roman Caesar at the time, perfectly. It wasn't a, it's not a big launch here. And that they wrote it like that because if they said stay away from Nero, whoever wrote it would be dead like next day. Because don't think the Romans weren't reading it. So they couldn't. So they just put around it. And it just says, you know, the, and the number, the thing, it's metaphoric. If you get so close to Rome, you're going you're gonna to be just like them. You won't be able to tell the difference. It's like being marked. So don't do it. It's an x-ray. Anyway, I say all that because there's ways maybe that we need to look at things. And if it's made you fearful, you shouldn't. Because we're well into it. I, we're probably into the last few chapters. We're waiting for the horse, the big white horse, when Jesus comes back. See, I like to think about that. That's hopeful. I had somebody just shared a picture with me they had that the big white horse is in a stable somewhere. All the groomers were around getting it ready. And it was massive and they were cleaning it up because Jesus is about to come and hop on that big baby and he's coming back. And then we get those last two chapters and they are incredible. So I want you to check those out and uh, it's going to be really good. Really good stuff. Whoo. Ministry team, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way over there here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they're going to make sure you get it. And let me say again, look, all of this is about his story. And he's the rescuer, Jesus is. And he's made a way for all of us to be reconciled. And what we have to do is say yes. You might have been coming to church your whole life and no one's ever said, you have to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, please, you need to. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? It changes everything. It's a little simple declaration of faith that changes everything. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? If you haven't done it, please do it now. If you're watching online, do it. Amen. During worship this morning, I got, I had a real presence of the Lord just showed me that there's someone, you're either visiting the church or you're visiting the keys. I'm not sure, but you're here. And during worship, you felt uh, the Holy Spirit, you felt goosebumps and you might've got a little teared up and you just felt the presence of the Lord. And I felt like what he said to you was, will you be my friend? And that's all it is. Will you be my friend? And he's drawing you. And what you felt was him. If that applies to you, do. Ask someone to pray with you today. And in that presence, there's nothing like it. Amen. Amen. Good word. I like it. Yeah. Maybe it's for you. Maybe. Yeah, I like it. You never know. Got to go there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to be done. I have other things to say. Come back next week. I have much to say. And we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. If you need prayer, they will pray for you over there. These doors are open for you. Head out this way. It looks nice out there. You may want to sneak out and get some fish before we get another storm. Uh, And also, I hope your team wins and that you have a great day. And there's always something else and I forget. Huh? Yeah, I know. Love you guys. Be kind to each other in a parking lot. (laughs) We'll We'll see you soon. God bless you guys. Uh, Read Revelation 21 and 22 for next week so that you're ready, and that's where we're heading. What did you do Friday night, Reed? Dolphins game, preseason opener. Who won? The Falcons. It was a preseason game, right? Doesn't matter if you lose. Yes, that's right. That's right. Have a good week, everybody. Love you. (laughs) Bye-bye.